The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the cover three tailgate where our friend Daniel says, I'm currently on the way to the quick lane bowl cheering for my Mac brethren. Good for you, Daniel. Okay. Love to see it. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll be here uh, the next three hours getting you set for the quick lane bowl between Bowling <laughs> Green and five and seven Minnesota inside the locker room access here mm-hmm. as we uh, as we get you set. Uh no, the, the the big task for today is to continue with our bowl nanza. And while we do have, you know, still some games that are going to be coming up later today on the 26th, we hit those in the last Bonanza episode from Thursday. Today, we will be doing everything from the 27th, the 28th, and the 29th. That is the Military Bowl all the way to the Cotton Bowl between Ohio State and Missouri. So go ahead and get your notes together for that. Uh, But first, uh, a few news and notes since the last time we got together because we were – but we benefited from the fact that we at least knew uh, in general what the topics of that board meeting were going to be for Florida State. Since then, we were able to hear exactly what was expressed by the board. Just as you said, they were going to green light legal action against uh, the Atlantic Coast Conference and specifically targeting that grain of rights. Uh, you have now gotten to see both that legal document and also the, the countersuit from the ACC in Mecklenburg County. Um, you, you are a resident attorney, so 
you know, I don't think we need to game this all the way out, but with, with all the new information that we have since the last time we broke it down, uh, what's your general feeling on uh, what kind of argument Florida State is making and what exactly uh, the school might be looking for? So what, what they're looking for is for the, uh, the, the penalty, as, as they're going to have it described, for leaving the conference, the, the estimated $572 million, uh, to be rendered void, right? That Basically, like, hey, this is either not a contract or not an enforceable uh, amount of liquidated damages. It really amounts to a penalty, which under Florida law uh, is not allowed because it doesn't bear uh, a, a close relationship to the actual damages suffered uh, by the, the, the remaining members of the conference. I, I don't know how this is going to go. I, I think anybody telling you they know exactly how this is going to go, other than it's probably not going to be super quick, uh, mm -hmm. is, I don't know, probably guessing, uh, to be honest. But I, I, I looked over it. It's like I, I think that I, I like their chances a little bit better than I thought I was going to, right? But then again, they sat on this for a couple of weeks after sitting on it for a couple of years. Like, like this, this is not new. They've, they've been working on this for a while. They made multiple trips to Charlotte, and before that, I believe, to Greensboro, you know, to see the documents that you're allowed to see. Uh, still haven't seen the the contract with ESPN, uh, which I think will be of great interest to everyone if that is uh, something that's actually made available in Discovery and then thus we be part of the public domain. Um, I think they have an okay chance of getting some sort of reduced number eventually. I don't know if they are really going to be able to get this thing haircut to zero right, right. Um, in some ways the league as chip pointed out in the last show adding those extra teams because it does prevent espn from haircutting them uh you know in, in the very near future might actually help fsu a little bit uh because as long as you maintain 14 teams you, you the espn is not allowed to revisit it even if the makeup of those teams is significantly different like if you lose fsu and maybe a couple other schools who really matter then uh, ESPN is not going to be quite as happy, but I don't know, man. This is going to be interesting to see. I, I don't have, I don't have like a ton of new thoughts on it after actually seeing it. it it's largely what I think we speculated it would be uh, on uh, on the Thursday show. But after if if you get out of the grant to rights, ESPN can just get out of the TV deal. Like I mean, I know like it's it's one right. of those things where it's like I, you're right. Nobody knows what the financial ending of this will be i do think we all know what the end will be florida, yeah, florida state's, state's leaving, and then the acc is going to look a lot different in three four five six seven however many years from now so yeah it's uh well, it'll be interesting to see i i, I mentioned this in a conversation with y'all on friday but if i was to be a judge of common sense with no a detailed understanding of you know the state laws in florida and liquidated damages and all these other things that are built in by actual attorneys $572 million is a bananas number. And Florida State did a good job of putting together that timeline of what the exit fee has been at all these different times. And it is, you see it balloon and you're like, yeah, that's that. No, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe that. That's, that's <laughs> And of course, the ACC, I imagine, is going to say, but you signed it, right? And that's going to be like one of their strongest arguments. Then we get into process and all that stuff. But I do think that if I was to sit here and look at both sides, a judge of common sense says that Florida State leaving the ACC is not a $572 million type move. So yeah, let's get a new number and let's move on. Like that, the judge of common sense is going to try to get us to a point that we're probably going to require what, 12, 18 months? 
before we finally actually get there? Probably so, yeah. Like Maryland paid 50. How did we get from 50 to 572? Well, how much was the ACC's TV deal at the time? It it was just it it wasn't one tenth of what it is now. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like it's probably going to be whatever it was. I think, you know, common sense would be just prorate it to whatever it is now. And that would be what the penalty. So if it was if Maryland paid however much of the TV deal at the time or all these other schools have paid however much of their TV deals, you're probably going to come to a compromise that Florida State has to pay that much of what's left on the TV deal. Yeah. So Florida State wading wading into the wilderness of uh, of legal fights with its own conference as we you know s- slowly work our way through billable hours and uh, and get to a point where we expect Florida State uh, at some point in the future will no longer be an ACC member. A little bit of a um, initially somewhat of a head scratcher. You know Jerry Kill had done such a terrific job at New Mexico State over the last two seasons. You know gets them up to double digit wins. Uh, this past year, they they land in Conference USA and they're immediately playing for the Conference USA Championship. Uh, he has announced that he will be stepping down as the New Mexico State head coach. Tom, he's Jerry Kill has you know obviously stepped away from coaching before because for health reasons. Um, mm-hmm. He has, uh, by a lot of accounts, done a great job of of managing his epilepsy and and being able to get to a point where he felt comfortable, you know, getting back into FBS coaching. Um, what's What's the read here? I mean, a disappointment. If you are a New Mexico State fan right now, you're like, well, shoot, we just lost the best coach we've had in a long time. Um, what's What's your read on this situation with Kels with Kill stepping down? Similar to what you've already said and what's been the case before, I think health-wise. I mean, he said kind of in the statement when they announced the decision that it's just this year took a whole lot out of him and it's been tough. And he's just he's done being a head coach based on what he said. Like he didn't say he's going to stop coaching and there's, you know, rumors he's going to be an analyst elsewhere in the near future. But he said he's done with his time being the head coach. He wants to, you know, worry more about his health. But as far as the New Mexico State side of it, Obviously, this is a huge blow because, like you just said, this is probably the best coach they've ever had. They've just had probably their best season they've ever had, and now you're losing the head coach. And you're also losing a number of players, like Diego Pavia immediately entered the portal. Other players from this squad are entering the portal, and they're trying to you know, see what interest lies in them elsewhere. And I'm guessing like a guy like Pavia will find interest somewhere else. He had a good season for the Aggies. But you look at the situation in Conference USA with the resources they have available to them, it's hard to imagine New Mexico State's going to have a whole lot of 10-win seasons in the future. Not to say they can't do it again, but, I mean, going from Kill to Tony Sanchez is taking over, who does have head coaching experience right. at UNLV, but it wasn't the most successful experience. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with all the players they're losing and they're going to have to replace. So you're, it's a new coaching staff, and it's going to be a new roster. I mean, it, it sucks for New Mexico State, but I, that, that was a really good coaching staff. I, I think they'll have some continuity there. I um, I'm just happy Jerry Kill got you know got, got that nice ten win year, man. Like that, yeah. that's that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, you know, and, and the fact he can come back from, you know, from his condition and, and coach again, and and I, I believe he's going to stay around the game, right? Is that yes? Is that been okay? Yeah, I mean that's that's awesome. Well, so there was awesome. a the, he a member of that staff was hired away by Vanderbilt. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that for Vandy. You know the. Along the same lines of the idea that you had to, at Mississippi State, I think you need to run it sort of a, a non-traditional three-day prep, be, be a difficult offense to prep for. You need to catch some guys sleeping. 
I mean, all of what we said for Mississippi State applies to Vanderbilt there. So running an offense that if you don't prepare for, it can embarrass you and really get some some cheapy scores, if you will. <clears throat> Hello, Auburn and Mississippi State. I don't know if anybody <laughs> saw that or not this year. Uh, that, I, I I like that idea. I'll say like there was you kind of had a hint that this could have been coming with his uh, press conference after the New Mexico Bowl because he was very much in a no f's left to give kind of let it fly kind of mode, which is he's you know not completely out of character for him to begin with, but for him to do it at a press conference, it was like uh, it, it kind of raised in the back eyebrows. of his head. He had all like he he said yeah. way too easily. I'll go drink margaritas in Mexico. Yep. I was like, you've been thinking about that. Mm-hmm. You have considered that, and it here's what it he's led probably to. getting letters for, from for, from the Houston AD like. Jerry, please wear the assigned team gear for the game as per the terms of our sponsor. He's like, throw it in. I'm going to military appreciation day stuff again, and then I'm going to wear a poncho, and then I'm going to wear military appreciation with the poncho. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking about that because we were um, – and, you know, there, there's so much more going on with Jerry Kill, but we had identified him as an example of at some of these jobs, are you going to be – uh, more comfortable as an athletic director, bringing in someone who has experience, who might be able to create that kind of stability. You're not not trying to bet on a star on the rise, a first time head coach, because you know that they're just not going to have the same kind of resources. You know, they're not going to have the ability to, you know, make chicken salad, you know, out of whatever they've got. And Jerry Kill was an example of like, okay. This is something that can work. But at the same time, when I, I read the statement and I think about him saying that this year took a lot out of him, it's it's tough on them too. You know, they're looking around trying to compete. Beat Auburn, you know, which was awesome. But it was uh, it's, it's tough at those jobs to be asking coaches with a lot of experience because, like, Bud, to your point, when they start asking him to do this and that and this and that, and he's like, man, guys, I just want to coach football. Come on. Can I, can I please just coach football? And I think that in, in the transfer portal era, it might be a little bit difficult to uh, to maintain that roster construction all the way through. Tony Sanchez, as Tom mentioned, former UNLV head coach, wide receivers coach this season for the Aggies. He takes over immediately, so uh, no dominoes there. But speaking of dominoes, guys, we got to beam up. We got to check out the latest from the portal. That was fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, again, thank thank you to uh, Jordan. Was a little slow on the draw there. That's what happens when you take three weeks off. He's out of game shape. Welcome back, Jordan. We appreciate <laughs> it. You went and got that uh, pulled in. All right, man. Bud drops. We we need to call him like Bud Bud Crumbs. Like bread. When Bud drops bread crumbs, they're Bud Crumbs. And uh, and he told you about Walter <laughs> Nolan. <laughs> that does sound bad. <laughs> sounds a little <laughs> butt crumbs. <laughs> yeah. That's what Jordan's been dealing with for the last three weeks on, on, the, on the leave. Leave. He's been dealing with butt crumbs. <laughs> um, all right. So he told you, Walter Nolan. You know, he's like, if Ole Miss can lock down Walter Nolan, we add him to all these other pieces. Looks like uh, Ole Miss is, is ready to go get him. I mean, is this, is this, a is Walter Nolan the piece of the Ole Miss transfer portal class, or is he like another part of what is just a larger movement? How how do you look at 
uh, former Texas A&M uh, defensive lineman, fantastic player, former five-star prospect. His commitment to the Rebels, uh, what are the big takeaways, bud? Well, I mean, look, he's a big-time player that the, the, the likes of which kind of rarely goes into the portal, right? I mean, what, what Walter Nolan is freaky. He's a guy who can be a game wrecker, and Ole Miss doesn't have many game wreckers, right? I, I really thought Ole Miss's defense was was kind of scammy this year. You know, that they, they didn't play very many good quarterbacks. Uh, they, they played a lot of teams when their starter was hurt or out. Uh, and when they did play somebody, they largely got, got crushed. I mean, LSU put up, what, 50-something, I think. Georgia put up something similar. So to go out and, and get a Walter Nolan, I think, really helps Ole Miss. Like, they are clearly going for it. You know, we, we talked about it. Some teams, because of the level they recruit, Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, Texas, I think now you can probably put in that category. Like they go for it every year. Other teams, unless you have unlimited funds, Oregon, you're probably going to have to be like pick and choose a little bit about what year you go for it. Ole Miss clearly has identified this as a as a push the chips in, go for it type year. Like that's a lot of defensive additions for them, and I think they have a chance. Could you be the number three team out of the SEC, which has a pretty good shot to get into the twelve team playoff? Could you even host a playoff game potentially if you somehow were, were the number two team out of the SEC? I, I think that's possible. So, yeah, good good for Ole Miss for going for it. Like this is this is exciting. Like more teams you know competing for spots now. Like I guarantee Ole Miss fans have hope, like they've never had in our lifetimes because of this. They're doing a very good job in the portal. I mean, it's it's like I said, they're going to be a playoff team, and but it's just it's. The one thing I would be concerned about, and this is a minor concern, because they have vastly upgraded their defense. Because that was like their defense wasn't terrible this year. Like I know, but you think it was, you know, kind of, you know, smoke and mirrors in a way. It wasn't top forty for me. Yeah, like it was. It was just an above average, okay, you know, defense. Like it's going to be a good defense. It's just when you're doing this through the portal this way, you're you're landing great talent, but you're also you still don't have the depth. So like a couple injuries can derail things. So you do still have to stay healthy. Like that's the one benefit of building through high school recruiting is that you you have guys if you can keep them on the roster through the portal unless Lane comes and takes them from you. <laughs> so that way you have that depth when you suffer injuries. But yeah, no, they're. They're going to be good next year. They're going to get to the playoff. And like I said the other day, they'll probably lose in the playoff because they're still not Georgia. Yeah. They're still not Alabama. They're still, but it's, yeah. So, you know, if well, you yeah, want to get to the playoff. You've got two New Year's Six appearances mm-hmm. here on Lane Kiffin. And that is, that's a playoff game. Like in, as we move forward in the new era. So, um, you know, the, good on Ole Miss, uh, good on the uh, the dentist who clearly has just been, raking it in uh, right out of children's mouths and into the pockets of Walter Seriously, Nolan. You get a crown, you get a crown, you get a crown, <laughs> Oprah style. Yeah. Just, I don't know what kind of scams he's pulling off there with the with the dental insurance to pay for Walter. This is, the egg bowl it's middle is actually coming back right now. <laughs> um, other notable uh, portal entries. We, we found out uh, officially uh, Trevor Etienne has committed to Georgia. Nice Nice rivalry wow. swap there. Ouch. That stings. Yeah. That stings. Y'all, y'all, y'all see photos of uh, all those ETN Florida jerseys that were being opened up on Christmas morning? Yes. Oh, no. brutal. Awesome. Yeah. Just, were they were they real? No, yeah, they were these, AI images. <laughs> okay. But like I don't know. I don't know where people were making them, but I was seeing like a thousand of those things yesterday. Like I saw a bunch of White Sox ones. I saw the ETN one. I saw, yeah, it was just like there must be a site making them. 
good pickup for uh, the Bulldogs for sure. Tough loss for the for the Gators as uh, as they go into a difficult 2024 season uh, for Billy Napier. Tom, what other sort of portal movement from recent days has stood out to you? Uh, I think there is a big one today with Nick Scorton entering the portal from Purdue, and he is you know he had a huge season for the Boilermakers. He was you know outside linebacker, edge rusher, ten sacks, fifteen and a half tackles for loss. He is going to be sought after and i think that if you are purdue like they've gotten some guys in the portal this year that they've brought in but they've lost their four leading receivers from last year which purdue fans will argue like they're not great but when you look at the schools most of them are ending up at i think they might have been better than you thought losing scorton on the defensive side is huge because like i said he was one of the best players you've had it's just it's a tough situation for Purdue. It's I feel like they are at a net loss right now as far as the transfer portal, comparing what they've brought in to what they've lost. It's hard to make an argument from my perspective that you've improved the roster. Yeah, long term, I, I can't write off Purdue because they, they, yeah. they are doing some good things in the high school recruiting ranks, but uh, uh, short term certainly doesn't appear like, like they've really improved uh, the roster with the portal so far. There's a long way to go on this. Right, mm-hmm. like, We're, we're going to get really excited about some of these guys that have hit the portal so far. And, and I, I I agree with you. Like, this kid's really good, actually. And I, I think we'll be I, – I think he'll be a top target for a lot of schools out there. Uh, and Oklahoma fans, because they already got Deion Burks, the receiver from Purdue, they want Oklahoma to jump on. I know FSU fans, I think Georgia fans all, all, all want you know their schools to kind of kick the tires there. Uh, in the chat, I'm seeing Louisville fans also have some interest here. So, yeah, I mean, like, every, everybody wants some edge rushers. So, uh, he's a guy – He's not like crazy twitchy, but he's really powerful. He's strong. So, yeah. 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 It, it's it, it's a a lot of college tackles just can't handle that. It's like these. You always see a case where a lot of guys enter the portal, and then as soon as they're in the portal, they become ten times better than they actually are as a player, just because they're available and these teams have yeah. needs. This is a legit like good player. There will not be a shortage of top programs who are kicking the tires on this to see you. Know, yeah, I, I want to come here. I think I like him better than than Princely, uh, who, who Ole Miss got like slightly. I, I, Princely's they're different players. One is mm-hmm. more kind of lighter, twitchier. Princely was from Florida, right? Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like a good college player, useful, helpful. We got about 20 days left for players to jump in. January 15th is that deadline right there. <clears throat> Once we get through that, we will be circling back, uh, trying to give you. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this in the content game before. It's called winners and losers. Oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a very effective way to discuss a lot of different programs and a lot of things. the wheel here all, all at the same time. So yeah, we'll do some we'll do some transfer portal winners and losers. But uh, good good point there with Purdue that if if you're going to look at this as like a net positive, net negative, it's it seems like there's more significant. Uh, players that are going out than they are coming in. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, one more, forgot to put this on the rundown, but it was you know very notable as you know Gerard Parker leaves Notre Dame to take the head coaching job at Troy. So that means that Marcus Freeman has to get right back to where he was you know, after losing Tommy Reese, and that's trying to hire a new offensive coordinator. And the one he hired is from LSU. Mike Denbrock, who, of course, um, has been at Notre Dame before. He is returning for another stint. Um, Bud, what do you make of the Denbrock hire? You know, In terms of his stock price, when you just for the 
most explosive offense and the Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, you, you've got a lot that you can put on the resume that suggests that things are going well for you right now. Uh, what do you like about this uh, for Notre Dame? Well, I, I think you have to like it that it's a known commodity, a, a guy who has had some success. I, I didn't love uh, the hire for LSU when they took Denbrock. I, I didn't really love what he did at Cincinnati. Now, after watching Cincinnati's quarterback try to play in the NFL – Maybe, maybe I should have appreciated him more. Like, Whoa, this guy is incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and look, Daniels developed un- under him as well as quarterback coach Joe Sloan uh, quite a bit. So um, I think you can attribute at least a good bit of that to Denbrock. And if you're an Irish fan, um, I think just having somebody who's a competent guy who's a proven play caller for you has to feel like an upgrade, right? There's a lot of learning on the job still that you get with Marcus Freeman. And just having somebody he can lean on who knows what he's doing offensively is is helpful. Yeah, I, I've seen a lot of Notre Dame fans responding to this. And first of all, I think it's a good hire. But I, I've seen a lot of Notre Dame fans responding to this like, well, if he could do that for Jaden Daniels, imagine what he's going to do with Riley Leonard. And Jaden Daniels did grow up under Denbrock, and he did yeah. develop and improve. But Jaden Daniels always had a better arm than Riley Leonard has. It's just Jaden Daniels learned how to – process what the defense is doing and go through his progressions much better under Mike Denbrock than he had been at Arizona State. So I, I don't think Riley Leonard is just going to suddenly be Jaden Daniels again because Jaden, I think, is better on the deep ball than Riley Leonard is. But I do think that Riley Leonard is a very talented player and Mike Denbrock, as we have seen with Ritter and now with Jaden Daniels, will be able to figure out ways to use him perhaps better than Notre Dame would have been able to use him with its previous staff. And it's like... They still need to, and they have started making upgrades at the receiver position, but you need to see it you know, play out on the field because Riley Leonard is more capable, I think, than, you know, I mean, Sam Hartman was never really good outside the numbers to begin with. He was always a between-the-numbers guy. I don't think Riley Leonard is that different, so I do think that somewhat hinders what you can do. But even if you look at LSU's offense, like Malik Neighbors was great, but most of the damage Malik Neighbors did was on short little kind of screen passes. He wasn't a great downfield contested ball kind of guy on the deep ball. So you can still make it work. I do think Notre Dame's offense next year will be better than the Notre Dame offense we saw this year or at least I think it'll be more better balanced. It's probably the better way to put it. Yeah, the, mo- the mobility piece, I-, I-, I think, between Leonard and-, and Hartman is the real difference maker there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And I agree with you that this year's version of Daniels was far superior as a deep ball guy uh, than Leonard, but I don't think 22 Daniels really really was. I mean, that, that was sort of the knock on him, right? Like he wasn't trusting it. He wasn't pulling the trigger. He wasn't mm-hmm. leading the guys out there and letting it go. And uh, and now he, he is, so... Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what they'll do. The offensive line is probably a small step back next year, so their quarterback mobility yeah. is, is likely to help quite a bit. You can't really lose Alt and then just expect that somebody's going to step in and be the same kind of left tackle that you've had. And Fisher, too, year. right? Yeah. I think. And the center's gone? Yeah, they're losing a lot of their offense. Yeah, but, it's hard to memorize all these depth charts, man. I, I, think, I think they lose three. But they've. I think the one thing Notre Dame has done a very good job of over the last decade is its offensive line. So I'm not that concerned about it, but it's just, I do think you're going to take a slight step back in that department next year. I don't, I, I don't think you can avoid it unless you somehow convince a bunch of first round picks to transfer in this year. Yeah. Coach Denbrock, just go get yourself a Malik neighbors and a Brian Thomas and you'll be fine. Okay. Neighbors in the open field, Thomas on 50, 50 catches. It's a perfect compliment. It'll do wonders for your quarterback. I promise. Um, What about LSU? What's the move? 
Tommy Reese. No. Does, does Joe Sloan get the job? You promote? I, mean, I, I clearly like he did a good job with the quarterbacks there. Yeah. I don't know what I, I don't know it what Brian Kelly thinks of him as a potential play caller, right? Uh, are, are, are they in lockstep? You know, philosophically, I I don't. It, it would seem to make sense based on the success of the offense uh, under the last couple of years, but I, I don't know. Like maybe. Um, hmm. That's a good question. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about what they do next. Oh, I'm, and just like a full full bias here. I'm I'm just gassing him up and trying to speak it into existence. He's from Sanford, North Carolina. He's got you know mm-hmm. like got some friends, go. Parker's family. So I'm just going to keep throwing it out there. You know, he's <laughs> so he was with Skip, right? And so he ends up at Louisiana yeah. Tech with Skip Holtz. So in there, you know, he he met himself a Cajun girl. He settled into Louisiana. So even though he's not Louisiana born and bred, he's dangerous. You know, get get down. Yeah, he can certainly get down there and hang and, and hold his own. And he had a great season. So we'll see uh, moving forward what LSU does with its offensive coordinator position. You want to just recklessly spec, recklessly, recklessly speculate because the chat's already talking about it. Where is the rumor coming from that Brian Kelly's going to Michigan? Like, where did this like first be born over the last week? Because I've seen it out of nowhere, but I have not heard anybody with any sort of reputable kind of repu- you know, cred mention it at all brian kelly is not the only name that we have heard tied to a rumor that starts like this if michigan opens Mm -hmm. there are a lot of head coaches which either themselves or their agents or you know somebody in their camp is trying to imagine what the world would look like if michigan opens brian kelly's not the only name of a power five coach who He's like, if Michigan opens, X would be interested. Y wants that job. I mean, we've we have heard that, and I put the Brian Kelly rumor sort of in that, you know, whether it's camp agents, somebody, just the if Michigan opens blank. Well, I will fair? just I will yeah, I will just say though to that idea. Why did Brian Kelly leave Notre Dame for LSU? What did he feel like he couldn't do at Notre Dame that he could do at LSU? Win national championships. There were certain players he felt like he could get in at LSU that he couldn't get at Notre Dame. And Michigan does not have the same kind of stringent requirements on its football players that they have at Notre Dame, but it's still more stringent than LSU. So I don't think Brian Kelly left to take the LSU job to go take the Michigan job. If his goal is to win national titles, I would bet he feels he's got an easier path to do that with LSU than he does the Wolverines. And didn't we do a Brian Kelly NFL dance a whole bunch? Yeah. I mean, is it like, like, would a Notre Dame fan talk to an LSU fan right now and be like, hey, bud, just get used to it. We're going to be, you know, he's, he's one of the top coaches, you know, like just in general, like we put together our coach rankings. Brian Kelly deserves consideration for a spot near the top of your ballot, both because of the, the high levels of success and the longevity, how many different times he's reinvented the wheel. He is one of the top coaches in college football. So whether it's an NFL job or whether it's one of the top jobs in all of college football, you're, you're going to have him out there as long as he or somebody in his camp is okay with it being out there. By the way, Notre Dame did finish ahead of LSU in the recruiting rankings. They that one did. spot. Yeah. Oh, Notre Dame fans getting what they want. There yeah, we go. You can't, you can't measure heart, bud. You can't That's measure right. heart. All right. <clears throat> Beefy first segment. We got a lot of work to do with this bowl games. <laughs> Coming up on the other <laughs> yeah. side, we're going to run through 
the Military Bowl, Mayo Bowl, Holiday Bowl, Texas Bowl, and more. It's the next round of Bowl Nanza. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo. And they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. All right, we begin with the Military Bowl. Uh, This will be a Wednesday bowl game getting you started in the afternoon. Uh, Virginia Tech out to 10.5 point favorite against Tulane. Of course, we do have uh, coaching change in effect there for the Green Wave. Um, Let's see, Tom, what way are we attacking this game? Because that's a lot of points for 6-6 Virginia Tech to be favored by. Um, It truly is. But, but are we? But but are we on the green wave? Plus all those points. No, this is one of those situations where it's like, wow, Tulane wins a whole bunch of games. It's a really good team. And wait, six and six, Virginia Tech is favored by how much against them? Like, read between the lines here, folks. Like, it's Tulane has lost its coach. It has lost its quarterback. And you have to wonder what the motivation for this team will be under an interim coach with reserves in. After playing in what the Cotton Bowl or the Fiesta Bowl last year, I can't remember which one it was, but they were in a major bowl game. Yeah, they nearly won the conference again this year. They lose their conference championship. They lose their coach. They lose everything, and now they're going up against a Virginia Tech team that you know is going to be you know fired up to be in this game. They're six and six. This is like a good step in year two under Brent Pry. This is like a chance for us to build momentum heading into year three, a big season. Blah blah blah. Yada yada. Coaching cliches. So when you're going off of a vibe situation, which you have to do a lot in bowl games, like how can you not take Virginia Tech in this spot? Agreed. Um, look, the time to take them might have been a little bit earlier, yeah. but I I wouldn't have a problem laying the 10 and a half. I, I mean, Tulane has a lot of starters out for this, and I, I think some starters who matter. Virginia Tech has really good really good buy-in right now. Making a bowl game was a, a real goal for them. Even some of their guys in the portal, and there aren't many, uh, are likely to play. They've had a lot of dudes say, hey, like I'm coming back. I'm not hitting the portal. They've already announced through their collective or, or whatever we call it uh, that um, that they're going to come back. I, I think they're going to actually care about playing this game and, and want want to get the dub. So, uh, yeah, I, I, a, lot, a lot of Tulane's coaches are already gone. Just feels like kind of a whimper. But who knows? Bowl season's been absolutely insane. Yes. But the yeah, vibes it, are strong in, in Blacksburg right now. Well, well, look, Virginia Tech's ceiling and floor are way far apart. Mm-hmm. Like, they're, they could, with their own errors, give Tulane enough hope, right? You know, like, if, if they give up a special teams touchdown or make a couple mistakes and all of a sudden give, give Tulane a, a chance to be able to have a leg up, and this is where, if I'm a Virginia Tech fan, and look, I think Virginia Tech fans, this game's in Annapolis, 
Like they're the DC area is yeah. teeming with Virginia Tech graduates. So I would expect that there's going to be a pretty solid fan base there. You know, Virginia Tech gets off to a fast start. Speaking of the old live bet situation, Virginia Tech gets off to a fast start. They might blow them out of the water. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah, especially because of how Tulane is built right now. So if you don't have Jackson and you don't have Brazel um, and you don't have your starting tight end, that, that's a fairly big deal as far as the ability to come back. I like that. Um, all right, so we're rocking with the Hokies. That is a 2 p.m. kickoff on Wednesday. Uh, after that, we will head to Charlotte, North Carolina, Bank of America Stadium, where uh, we've got a rematch of the 2008 Continental Tire Bowl, which was in Never this place, in this very same stadium. Uh, West, that I've, I remember correctly, it was kind of cold and kind of wet, and I think it's going to be kind of cold and kind of wet again. West Virginia, six-and-a-half-point favorite against the Tar Heels. Tar Heels will not be with Drake May. Tar Heels will not be with Tez Walker. Um, you know, Mountaineers picked 14th in the uh, Big 12 preseason media poll. They finished 8-4 and four on the year. Mountaineers favored by six-and-a-half. Tom, how are you attacking this one? Uh, I, the under might be the right play here, just the way Virginia Tech games or West Virginia games tend to go, like, I don't know. I, I know North Carolina is missing all those dudes, and I get it. But West Virginia, to me, just based on what I saw this year, like that's a team I'm okay betting as a dog. It's not really a team I'm running to bet as a favorite, just for the way they play, the style of play. It makes it hard for them to you know pull away from teams. They usually don't. So if I'm taking a side here, I would take North Carolina. But what matters most is that Duke's Mayo is the best mayonnaise out there. Yeah, I mean – no Drake May, no Tez Walker, no Corey Gaynor um, on defense. What? No Cedric Gray. Mm-hmm. A couple starting DBs out. I think I, that's not a great recipe. I, I mean, do they care? Right. Yeah, like that, that's really mm-hmm. gonna gonna like. Do, does North Carolina care to be here? Because I I think West Virginia cares. Right. I mean, like they UNC didn't have the most disappointing season in the country, but they, I think fairly disappointing. I guess. All uh, things considered. Yeah. Like, and especially the way it ended, you know, Mac gave us some real warning sounds signs in some of those press conferences as the losses started to pile up at the end of the year. He, he said, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. He was like, we got some guys in that locker room that are, you know, happy that they're playing, even though we're losing, we've got some guys that are angry that they're not playing more. You know, he, he definitely did not show um, he, what he painted was not a picture of a unified locker room. Um, so the do they care is very, very interesting. Um, if North Carolina shows up, they can run the ball with the Marion Hampton and they can win this football game. Mm-hmm. And also, don't you, I mean, no offense to Neil Brown, but wouldn't you just rather see Mac Brown get mayonnaise dumped on his head than Neil Brown? Like, to me, that's something you got to factor in here. North Carolina plus six and a half is wish casting better vibes because did y'all see Mac at the signing day press conference decide he was just going to like take grand issue with Dave Doran's post-game locker room comments? No. I told Mac, I was like, Mac, the last thing you want to do is draw attention to the egg that you laid against your rival in the last game of the regular season. I mean, we're coming up here. North Carolina's one of four teams in the ACC with the top 30 recruiting class. And Mac gets on the mic. is like, y'all remember when NC State beat us? Like, come on, dog. Yeah, that's. He, he is. He does not miss most of the time when it comes to those signing day press conferences. It's why everyone loves Mac. You know, he recruits well. He talks about how awesome everybody is. And that was a, that was a, that was a rare, a rare miss. So North Carolina plus six and a half, just so it's not as toxic 
We need better vibes in Chapel Hill going into the off season. Uh, later on in the day, any other, any other North Carolina, West Virginia thoughts? What do you think about the quarterback for UNC? It's not Tad, right? No. Okay. What do you think? I don't know. I'm 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 not. First, I, I, I honestly, like, if you were going to take West Virginia, I'd, I'd probably have taken it earlier, you know. But when I think about about this Mountaineers team, their run defense is a lot better than their pass defense. So, so you can't lean you, on Hampton. Well, you, I mean, you, you, I think you try, but right. how effective can you be with it? I guess we'll see. We'll keep that's a 5:30 p.m. kickoff uh, from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Then, ooh, get out your baseball principles because the Holiday Bowl is going to be in Petco Park in San Diego and it features Louisville against USC. Louisville, a seven-point favorite against the Trojans over under a 58 and a half. No Caleb Williams in this game. Um, I think we're close to full strength for the cards, right? Pretty much, yeah. No no Thrash and no Jawar Jordan, but okay. yeah. They've played without those guys or with those guys banged up for a, a lot of the second half of the season. Tom, what's your uh, what's your initial read here? Petco Park at night. You got the marine layer coming in off the ocean. You got to take the under. The ball's not going to be flying at all, you know? Come on. It's a pitcher's park. Um, oh. I do like the under here, but I also like Louisville because, I mean, USC, what is the level of giving an F about this game for the Trojans? Like, clearly they are – getting ready to fix that defense for next year. But I don't think they've been able to fix their defense between the end of the regular season and this game. And I think you give Jeff Brom a chance to prepare for a very undisciplined defense, and he's probably going to cook something up that's pretty effective. So I, I like Louisville in the under. I think USC, if they fall behind early, is just kind of going to, you know, all right, we're done here. I I like Louisville here. Um, I just... I don't think USC is very good without Caleb Williams. That that is a concern. I think their offensive line is a bit of a concern as well in this football game for USC. Uh, I just I agree with Tom. I think Jeff Brom will cook some stuff up here. Zach Branch anytime touchdown. Let's go. Yeah, player prop yeah, that, that I can see. Like mm-hmm. that. What what in the world <clears throat> is this Caleb? Was this Caleb less USC offense going to do? Well, we're going to put the ball in Zach Branch's hands 12 times and hope that one of those ends up in a long touchdown. Might happen. Might be the way to go. That's a 8 o'clock kickoff on Fox, then uh, 9 p.m. over on ESPN. That's where we'll have uh, Oklahoma State and Texas A&M in the Texas Bowl. This will be in the home of the Texans in NRG Stadium. Texas A&M, two-point favorite. What? I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the Aggies, but we've got a, a program in the midst of a coaching change. We've got some of the most high-profile and talented players from that roster into the transfer portal. Some of them, including Walter Nolan, already committed to go to an SEC rival. And look, I, I'm guess no Ollie Gordon. Uh, let me look at my sheet. Oh, I thought last. No, oh, no. No, he he announced he's coming back. Yeah, in a, in a video with the president. So I, I I would assume Ollie Gordon, yes. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> why? Why? I mean, well, <laughs> to be blunt, Oklahoma State's just not that good. Oh, like your 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 power rating and your yeah. talent. Power impact. ratings, Oklahoma State's not that good. But I do think 
if you're going off vibes and you're looking at what's going on at Texas A&M and everybody who they're missing, like catching two points at Oklahoma State, I I am not touching this game at all live or before pre-snap, but I if I'm taking anything not. here, I would take <laughs> pokes, yeah. So you they know, got so late start. come back, right? I think I saw that. Who? Asanas got out got out of the portal. Um I I kind of like Oak State here, to be honest. Yeah. Um AM's missing a whole lot of guys. I don't know that they have a, a great motivation here. Oklahoma State's not particularly great, uh, but they they can score a little bit and AM's defense down the stretch was not not particularly awesome. Um by the way, they are a one point favorite now. So so Oklahoma State action coming in right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, from from two from two to you know from two point dollar to one point favorite. Oh, snap it up, money line. Let's go. Shoot. Well, there goes. Hold on, I got to find the new thing for the end of the show. Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> what's the rotation? I need to get get into learning rotation numbers. Uh, two four seven two four eight. Isn't that how you're? Isn't that, isn't that how you're supposed to uh to order it? When you're at the window, that's how I order. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but everybody, I, I I get for a bowl preview show why we would not, obviously. Right. Yeah, I do it by order of time. Yeah. Um, Smaller that way. And that yeah, that'll be the the late night action on Wednesday, December twenty seventh. Coming up on the other side, we turn our attention to a loaded Thursday with eleven a.m. breakfast bowl. Oh yeah all the way to an Arizona-Oklahoma-Alamo Bowl that should be a banger. So we'll keep it rolling with Bowl Nanza next. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, turning our attention to Thursday's games, December 28th. And they do get started 11 a.m. Eastern time with SMU at Boston. Excuse me, at. It's in Boston. (laughs) SMU and Boston College in Fenway Park for the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. SMU favored by 10 in this one over under a 49 and a half. Good job by Jeff Halfley getting the Eagles to the postseason. They won... All of their games by exactly three points. It was amazing. It's such a 27-24 games over and over and over again. Um, Obviously, uh, SMU coming off a terrific season, 11 wins. You go out of the American Athletic Conference era with a bang. You win the conference championship. ACC play awaits you. This is an ACC matchup. Uh, Bud, what are you doing with SMU in that big spread? I... I understand why SMU is that big, but like I don't really, I'm not in a huge rush to go bet this thing. Um, Boston College had like three of their starting players miss in the secondary for the, for the season finale. 
I don't know if that's going to carry over to the ball game. I, I haven't seen reports on that, but that's not a, a great recipe w- w- when you face a team that wants to go at tempo and spread you out as SMU does. SMU, I don't think, has any opt-outs here. And remember, Preston Stone was lost for the year, but the back mm-hmm. quarterback, uh, Jennings, right, was, was largely fine. So I, I kind of kind of lean SMU, but not nothing nothing substantial here. Yeah, I would take the SMU team total over. I think they'll be able to score points here. I think cause like Boston College did lose a lot of guys that are in the portal right now. Some of them have already found new homes. A lot of them are on the defensive side of the ball. I just they also turnover possibilities by their offense. Yeah, I, I, I like the team total over for the Mustangs. They're going to they're gonna hit the ball off the green monster there, get some doubles, you know. Well, you know, we talked about the th- some of these different teams and programs where the the vibes and the buy-in is this the end of 2023 or is this like a part of a building piece for moving forward? Rhett Lashley is going in the right direction, um, and it, it looks like, especially from the availability, uh, that they're going to be taking this one seriously. I like that right there. Uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time for the first one. Then we stay in baseball stadiums. 2.15 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. That's the kickoff between Rutgers and Miami in Yankee Stadium. It's the Pinstripe Bowl, and the Scarlet Knights are favored by one. It's Greg Schiano and Mario Cristobal in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> what are we doing? Under! <laughs> no like- Tyler Van Dyke. You know, a couple of key Miami wide receivers are out. I'm, I, I, I still like Miami. You still like Miami? I mean, they're missing like guys in the secondary, obviously, but they're playing Rutgers. So does that matter? Like Rutgers. That's what is, I was thinking. I was like, what, what's our opt-out report look like for Rutgers offense? Yeah, it's. I mean, well, Rutgers is a very one-dimensional. This is like a case of motivation versus athletes. And even though Miami is missing a lot of guys, I still think Miami's overall has better athletes than Rutgers does. So I would lean the Canes here. But yeah, this is. I'm not touching this game. Yeah, that I kind of want to just watch this and live bet it or, or, or second half bet it. Um, even with those guys out, I, I, I have a hard time taking Rutgers as a favorite over a team that can run. <laughs> yes. But that's assuming that Miami is desiring to run. And I don't know that they are, right? Like, the, who knows if they care about this game? I, I, this is not playing the like, oh, Miami doesn't care thing. There, there's a lot of teams out there that really don't seem to care about some of these bowl games. Uh, but that that has got to be priced into the number here. I mean, Rutgers is a favorite over Miami. Like, right? The op the opt outs and, and and the like, the the motivation is, is priced in here. I think. But Rutgers is a favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give give me the under on this one. I say I see a I see I see a lot of punting. I see a lot of punting from plus territory. You don't think a lot of tempo for Miami here might might be a little little forty second forty second back and forth game. <laughs> do you think Do you think that Mario Cristobal trusts the current iteration of the Miami offense to go out there and have more than sixty five snaps in a game? Let me you know what let's take some alt unders. What's it at forty and a half? Let's let's take some under thirty five. Let's see what we can get there. I, I have a hard time thinking these teams are going to score five touchdowns. Yeah, I like that. There we go. Let's get some plus money. All right, from the Pinstripe Bowl down to Orlando Camping World Stadium, where we've got the Pop Tarts Bowl between NC State and Kansas State. One of two ranked on ranked matchups here on Thursday. Right now, Kansas State a short two and a half point favorite, over under of 47 and a half. And I believe that we've got some, some clarity 
to what exactly is edible with the Pop Tarts Bowl trophy. Oh. You know, because we had heard it was like this is going to be the first ever you know edible trophy. There are uh, there's a football shaped toaster at the top of the trophy mm-hmm. with two slots for actual Pop Tarts. So it makes a little more sense now that I see it. When I was imagining them actually eating a trophy, that was a little bit concerning. But I I, I like. Oh it. no 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 no! They said there was going to be an edible mascot chip. Yeah. What 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 the heck? Okay. That's not an edible mascot. That's a trophy with Pop-Tarts in it. I am going to get to the bottom of this. <laughs> I'm going to go to the game and get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Are you going? I think I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've been lied to. I feel like I've been misled. I feel like I've been taken advantage of. And frankly, I am furious. You wanted a mascot to say, eat me. Put yeah, me out of my misery. <laughs> I want to see him like jump on like like on lions on a gazelle or something. Just rip that thing limb from limb. You know, like like Eastern Michigan players after the <laughs> <laughs> Eastern Michigan South Alabama bar. Oh, yes. No. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's not great decision making, man. Well, what was what was weird is like I'm watching that game and South Alabama is absolutely clowning them, and I'm just sitting there thinking there is going to be a fight. There is going to be a fight, and then there was never a fight during the game, and I was like. Oh, okay. We somehow got through it afterwards, but no, there was a fight. It was just afterwards. I like NC State here. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, this is what I'm actually excited to watch. Like you have some opt outs. Most of them are amazing players who are opting out. Wilson obviously is, is really good. I believe he did opt out, right? Yeah, Correct. he's getting ready for the um, draft. And obviously Savage from uh, from Kansas State, but. You get to see Avery Johnson. Um, NC State will still play really hard. I, I'm I'm kind of liking NC State here a little bit. Yeah, what, what, interest, what interests me about this game is that you do have a lot of opt-outs, but these are like two coaching staffs who I feel like will do a good job of getting their teams ready for this game and kind of mm-hmm. keeping them motivated for this game. Yeah. So I do think it will be an interesting football game. It's just with all these names that are missing, I have absolutely no idea of what it's going to look like on the field as far as who's the better team. One 10 win season in NC State history right now. If Dave gets it done, I'd be, uh, that would be something like it when we're looking for the internal motivations. NC State going to Orlando, playing a ranked team for the opportunity to win 10 games for just the second time in program history. It would be a big one for Dave Doran in a season that, for my money, is one of his best coaching jobs uh, navigating to this point. Because, man, if you had talked to us, what, like week five or week six, you thought this team was going to be dead in the water. And so they were able to rally really impressive stuff by that staff. Uh, Tony Gibson also, I believe I saw reports that he got a new contract as well. The defensive coordinator for the Wolfpack. He's done a great job with that group. Uh, big piece of their success moving forward. All right. You know, Nine- Bud, Bud blows his nose during the break. And now my Twitter trending is Dr. Fauci. So way to go, Bud. No, I, li- I like this. <laughs> Judging by the noise, Bud is a legit honk shoe, honk shoe. <laughs> <laughs> This week I might be. I I am not normally. My wife a little bit though. Telling, I give her her out. Mm-hmm. Hey, no, no, no. She cooked him for his uh, serial killer eyes, so he gets, that is true. He's come back. Yeah, oh yeah. A little bit of a barb on uh, this sleeping. Did you guys do good on the Christmas gifts? What? Uh, yeah. 
sure, whatever. Well, my, like, my wife beat me in fantasy football. Merry Christmas. Oh, I had to face Amari Cooper in fantasy football. Mm. That was a 12 catches, 265, two touchdowns. That was tough. But he also had Brock Purdy. Four <laughs> picks and benched, and we won. So. Chip Chip's name is mud in my house right now because mm-hmm. while my wife beat me in one of the leagues we're in, Chip beat her in the league high run. She went 13-2, and two, outscored every other team in the league by 200 points. And here comes Chip Patterson and his 75 tight ends just knocking her ass right out of the playoffs. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, I was the four seed. I came in like eight and six, you know. <laughs> and I happened to have George Pickens. So <laughs> there we go. Um, have I told you about that league, bud? Where I no. they give me Tom gives me the options to start as many as four tight ends, and sometimes I do. <laughs> I've got like Evan Ingram and like just loading up all the good ones. Anyway, I love it. Uh, we got Liam this uh, snake gun. It's a Nerf gun, and it, it's basically a sniper rifle uh, with the head is a like a viper. Oh, this thing is actually pretty badass. It, like b- bolt action. Uh, yeah it's it's legit dude it, it's it's pretty solid uh that's awesome definitely been sniping does my it family. fire does it fire the projectile hard enough to do any real damage we'll find out uh no um not it's really not cans off a table an empty can yeah 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 yeah, yeah. That's uh, possibly yeah if you hit it yeah from from the right spot Alamo Bowl kicks off at 9.15 p.m. Eastern time. Speaking of guns, we head to the Alamo. Yeah. Arizona and Oklahoma. Uh, Arizona favored by two and a half in this one. Over under 62 and a half. I I mean, the the sell here has got to be the Jackson Arnold experience. Noah Fafita. I mean, this like. I, I don't know how the Alamo Bowl always gets these incredible matchups that are just set for absolute track meets in that building. But yeah, over. No look at 62 and a half is key number. Let's go. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember what the exact number was because I, I included this in the six pack this week. But like over the last 15 years, the losing team in this game is averaging 30 points, <laughs> let alone the team that's winning. My, my only real concern here is that Oklahoma is down both tackles. And they're also down Caden Green, their stud freshman guard who transferred uh, to Missouri. So, yeah, we're going to get the Jackson Arnold show. We're going to see his mobility immediately, which is actually pretty good, <laughs> I think, because that, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of guys to be down on the offensive line for, for the Sooners. I, I understand why they're dogs here. Nobody can tackle in the Alamo Dome. It's like there's some sort yeah. of rule. It's like you just fall down. That's, that's my uh, forces. Yeah, this is this is like the the ideal of when I say fast track, I just, I, cause it's a little bit of lower roof, right. Mm-hmm. Than we've got in a lot of these, um, buildings, just, just getting out there and getting runs in, in San Antonio. All right. Pivoting to Friday, four games on the day, beginning with Clemson and Kentucky in the Gator bowl, Clemson favored by four over under a 46 and a half. We have not checked in with the tigers in a little bit. What are we expecting uh, as they take on Mark Stoops and the Wildcats. Well, let's see. Bo Collins is gone, right? Yes. Yeah. So they're they're down at receiver. Their offense has not been overly explosive to begin with. You're going up against a Kentucky team that's just kind of loves getting down in the mud and wrestling with you. Give me the under 46 and a half. 
I, I don't hate that. Um, I was initially going to play the uh, the over here with some of the Clemson injuries, but some of those guys are going to play in the secondary, it looks like. So uh, I, I, the move was, I think, Kentucky at seven. Now it's, what are we sitting at, five something? Oh. Yeah, five, five and 45. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the number is, I think it's appropriate. Um, I think both, I'm excited to see like how much better Clemson's offense looks after 15 practices. I know they're down some receivers, but more time in the system. Um, we'll, we'll see. Kentucky's yeah. secondary is not great. I kind of feel like that 16 to 7 win that Clemson had to close the year out is going to look a lot, the same, going to look pretty similar here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is get down in the mud and just wrestle. I, I, could, yeah. I could see these two head coaches v- being very comfortable in, in playing just a low scoring, win the line of scrimmage, run the football, play good defense kind of a t- approach. Uh, Tom, I really like your under there in the Gator Bowl. Then midday, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl between Oregon State and Notre Dame. Notre Dame, six-point favorites in this game, over under 41.5. Uh, no Sam Hartman, no Audric Estime. Then, of course, for Oregon State, we've got no Jonathan Smith. We've got no Aiden Childs. We've got no DJ Uyunglele. It's uh, it's it's going to be an interesting test of uh, of depth for the Beavers here. Mm-hmm. What are we what are we expecting? Irish revenge for the Fiesta Bowl. I can't remember what year it was, but they lost this Ocho Cinco and TJ Hushman Zeta and Jonathan Smith, who was the quarterback of that Beavers team that year. They're, the Irish have been waiting a long time for their chance to get the Beavers back. So, yeah, Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm here with you. Uh, both these teams have a, some important players missing, but I, I do think that the uh, – first of all, the quarterback for for Oregon State, I believe, is Gold Branson. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that before. I, I'm not super comfortable <laughs> with that. And I, the, the players who back up the Oregon State guys out, I think are significantly worse than the starters were. So – I'm a little more confident just in the like size speed aspect of the Irish. I think the guys who pl- are playing in the game for the Irish, I think they're going to care. So I, I kind of like Notre Dame here. We'll say like Oregon State's offensive line is mostly intact still, correct? I don't know right. if, if Oregon has uh, no, opted I, I, out. Like three guys. Um, okay. So, yeah. All right. I like uh, Ryan in the tailgate is saying, let's just, let's just go Oregon State team total under. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes those don't get posted super early, or if mm-hmm. they do, you can only bet like $20 on it. So let's just hold off on discussing that until a little closer to game time. <laughs> yeah. But yes. Well, if you want one of them Patterson units, you can get that down right now. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. And that game, of course, you can see on CBS. You can stream it on CBSSports.com or on Paramount Plus. It is the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl from scenic El Paso, one of the great. Um, you know, historic bowl sites and bowl games. As always, be careful if you venture into Juarez. Okay. <laughs> Three, I, I'm uh, players, fans. Uh, I, just, I, I think I just want to say be careful. We, I think it would be a pretty good show to, to, to recount like all like the best like bowl week just went sideways thing. Cause we mm-hmm. had a couple beat writers reach out to us behind the scenes of some, some interesting stuff. Um, yeah. From other games before. Yes, from games yeah. they covered. They're like, oh, actually, I was in the casino, and this kid was there like until 6 a.m., and he was the starting quarterback that day. 
was like, ah, how'd it go? He's like, ah, he he only lasted like 20 minutes. And we'll never forget Lane Kiffin wrapped up like a mummy. <laughs> At the Sun Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. yeah might not, might not have just been the bowls. cold. <laughs> that one, the USF one with, with uh, Grothy. Yeah. Is one we need, mm-hmm. we need to probably uh, do an oral history of. Notre Dame versus Miami that one year. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Oregon State Pitt, which I think was three nothing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> As a final, what was the uh, the Central Michigan against somebody, and they just re- Central Michigan oh. Washington State. Yes, I think Is that so. Right. Yeah, and it, it, they ran for like three fifty. Was that twenty um, twenty? Looks like Ryan in the tailgate has heard the same thing we were talking about before we came on this show. <laughs> which look, <laughs> if you're gonna live it up, do it early in the week. Mm-hmm. Like I think that we've heard for that is like. Coaches will just say, like, you can go out on those first couple days, kind of get it out of your system, and then as you get closer to kickoff, um, lock it down a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Liberty Bowl in Memphis. We got Memphis playing a home game, but they are a 10-point dog to Iowa State over under a 57-and-a-half. I am not trusting Iowa State to cover a 10-point spread. <laughs> Like, I've seen Iowa State play football. What about that team says, we're going to win by double digits? Give me the Tigers. Yeah. I kind of like Iowa State here. Um, No, no, you don't. Two offensive linemen out already for Memphis, I believe. We'll see about a possible third, just something I'm I'm tracking there. The the only thing that offense has, or the only thing that team has is the offense. The, The defense is just... I mean, horrendous. So if they can't score, I, I think Iowa State's going to score 35-plus. Wow. Almost okay. almost everybody who plays against Memphis does. That's fair. If their offense is, is significantly limited, I, I think Iowa State is probably the side. Hmm. Don't, don't, don't get blown out at home in your bowl game. That's just like a general advice. You know, it's, it's free. Right there, you can have it, Coach Silverfield. Don't do it. That's a that'd be a bad that'd be a bad way uh, to enter into 2024. Okay, finally, on Friday night, it's our first of the New Year's Six bowl games. It is the Cotton Bowl, Missouri and Ohio State. The Buckeyes, as I'm looking at it right now, a one point favorite against the Tigers over under a 49 and a half or so. Um, where uh, what are we doing with this? I do not buy for a moment that Marvin Harrison is going to play in this game. Yeah, I, I, I do not. But there are other big players for Ohio State who I do buy will be playing in this game. So give me Ohio State minus one. I kind of agree. Yeah. Like the, I took some Missouri when it was plus three um, on the likelihood of opt-outs. I don't think those opt-outs are, are, are quite as likely. It looks like a lot of these guys are, are going to play for Ohio State. Ohio State clearly didn't think much of McCord, letting him walk for you know what, what, what they did. And he ended up at Syracuse. So maybe they're correct. Maybe they're maybe they're incorrect. Maybe Syracuse got a total steal. I guess we'll see. Missouri's a pretty good team, though. So, right. I mean, just how good will Devin Brown be here? Maybe it'll be awesome. Um I think you'll get a, a fairly motivated Ohio State effort. You you better get an incredibly motivated Missouri effort. It's been one of the best seasons of Missouri football. Like a, yeah, 
top five in the last 15, you know, kind of year for Missouri. So <clears throat> if you can finish it off with a win against a program like Ohio State, it should be absolutely massive. Um, yeah, again, with that with that spread, fascinated to see how it plays out for, uh, for the Tigers. Uh, Buckeyes, again, just one point favorite. That'll be Friday night. So we are going to be back with you at 11 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow. That is Wednesday to round out the rest of the non-playoff bowls. So when we get back tomorrow, we will get talk, be breaking down Ole Miss, Penn State in the Peach Bowl, um, the horrors that await uh, Hard Rock Stadium in the Orange Bowl, Auburn, Maryland, Toledo, Wyoming, West, Wisconsin, LSU, Liberty, Oregon, Iowa, Tennessee, uh, and that should be about it. Then on Thursday, we'll be doing our official college football playoff preview, much like Big Game Breakdown, inside the matchup, where it's going to be decided, and, of course, our best bets. And, oh, man. Okay. All right. Sorry about this, guys. I uh, almost forgot. And this Moneyline Sprinkle segment is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Because we've got some sprinkles to celebrate. We still got some left on the board from Bonanza Part Two, but after getting off to no sprinkle wins in Bonanza Part One, Danny's already on the board with Georgia Tech plus 180. Still waiting to see if he can add rice to that. Chip's already on the board with both South Florida plus 138 and Coastal plus 320. Tom's already on the board with NIU plus 135 and Coastal plus 325, 320. And Bud already is cashed on Air Force plus one. Also, like Danny, waiting on that Rice plus 185. So of the games that we have just run through right now, um, let's. what do we have for our money line sprinkles for Bonanza Part 3? I am going to go with North Carolina plus 202. All right. And NC State plus 112. So I'm I'm going to North North Carolina as my state this week. Let's go. But, I'm going to go NC State, uh, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go Kentucky. What's our Kentucky number? Kentucky, uh, we are at plus one sixty four. All right, let's do plus it. One sixty four. Okay. Um, throw me down. What's my bet? What's my Oklahoma State? Oklahoma they are favored State. now, so we'd have to kind yeah. of Oh, no. I guess that's not a sprinkle. Yeah. That's not a sprinkle at all. All right. Um, hmm. You want Miami at plus 100? <laughs> yes. Give me Miami okay. plus 100. All right. uh, and, uh, and I will also get in on North Carolina plus 202. That's what that's what sprinkles are for sometimes. Just like wish it. casting better vibes for Mac Brown and the boys. <laughs> And this Moneyline Sprinkles segment was brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, make every moment more. Love that we're getting back on the winning side of things on the Moneyline Sprinkles. We'll continue to drop more sprinkles coming up on Wednesday's show. And then uh, also, if anybody's on any dogs for the college football playoff, we'll hit that as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fennell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See y'all.
you ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.